What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. This is the latest installment of the Lockdown Blazers Countdown to Training Camp. We're dedicating a full episode to every player on Portland's roster and giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the Blazers in the 2019-2020 season. We'll look at how they performed last season, how they wound up on the Blazers. We'll talk about best case and worst case scenarios for the upcoming season. And we'll finish the episode with a discussion of the expectations and likely role that they'll play on the Blazers. So far, we've looked at Hassan Whiteside, Mario Hazonia, and Kent Bazemore. Today, it's all about rookie Nazir Little. Let's start with reviewing his 2018-19 season. Nazir Little averaged 9.8 points, 4.6 rebounds, and 18.2 minutes in 36 games at the University of North Carolina last year as a freshman. He didn't start a single game. Shot 47.8% from the floor. He was a 77% free throw shooter and a 26.9% three-point shooter. He's 14 of 52 from three in college in 36 games. There is a tendency to call Little a bust. Or there's a tendency to say, hey, at Carolina, guys don't, freshmen don't get to play. I would push back against both of those ideas. And I'll get into more of his season. But let me first tell you up front. I am born and raised in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I'm a huge Carolina basketball fan. I have seen all 36 of Nazir Little's games. I've watched many of them several times because I'm the kind of dork who DVRs the games and rewatches them. I feel pretty confident that I have seen him as much as anyone in the Portland media universe. That said, I want to push back a little bit a little bit against the sort of larger narratives before I continue with the, his 2018-19 season review. Nazir Little wasn't held back at Carolina from the starting lineup because of some sort of age-old Dean Smith-era tradition where freshmen don't start. He didn't start at Carolina because the players ahead of him were better. And in some ways because of the roster. If they played small, they were going to be really bad on defense, something they didn't want to do. Um, he wasn't as good as Cameron Johnson, who was Carolina's best player and went 11th overall in the draft. And early on in his his college career, he wasn't close to as good as Sean May. As I was going to say Sean May, as Luke May. There was no conspiracy and no tradition that held him back. It was talent. Also, the idea that he's an overall bust, I think, is a mislabel. I think he mostly underperformed, and the things he was bad at was maybe understanding Carolina's system and fitting into what they wanted to do. So that's my pushback against the narrative. Let's get back into a season review. There were moments... Even early on in Nazir Little's college career where he looked really, really good. He had 21 points in his second college game against Elon. In his fifth college game, he had 19 in a home game against St. Francis. But there was also plenty of games against top-tier teams in college basketball where he struggled. He had seven points and was like a total afterthought in a big home win over Gonzaga. And then he had back-to-back invisible performances. First against Michigan where he had four points and just didn't do anything. Carolina got blown out on the road in Ann Arbor. And then a neutral site against Kentucky, where Carolina got absolutely punked and Nazir Little didn't exist. Another four-point game. Later in the season, at Duke, a game Carolina won, Little again didn't do anything. He had two points and three turnovers. Those are top-tier teams, particularly Kentucky and Duke, 
And at the time, Michigan was ranked top five in the country. Little just couldn't get loose against those dude, against those teams. There were times later on in the season where he was really good. He had 23 points in an impressive home win over Virginia Tech, a team that had two NBA players playing on the wings. He had 18 against a quality Florida State team, a team again with two guys who were drafted in the NBA draft. And by the end of the season, in the opening weekend in the NCAA tournament, Nazir Little was playing his absolute best basketball that he had played. He had 19 points in 17 minutes against 16-seed Iona. He just overwhelmed that team with his athleticism. He just dominated them. 17 minutes, and he was easily the best player on the floor. And he followed that game in the second round of the NCAA tournament with 20 points and 7 rebounds against Washington. In those two games to open the NCAA tournament, he was 17 of 26 from the floor. He stopped taking threes. He took one three in those two games. He just did what he does best. And then he got the flu. Carolina's whole team basically got the flu in the Sweet 16, and he just wasn't himself. Carolina got beat down by Auburn, and, and Nazir Little's college career ended. But I think it's important to remember before we discuss how he ended up on the Blazers is that Nazir Little was a top five or six recruit pretty much universally coming out of high school. Rivals had him number two overall ahead of guys who are eventual top picks, Zion Williamson and Cam Reddish. And heading into college, Nazir Little won the MVP at McDonald's All-American game and the Jordan Brand Classic. He was dominating his peers. He's 6'6", 225 with a 7'1 wingspan. He's got an 8'9 standing reach if you're into NBA draft measurements. He doesn't turn 20 until February. And yet on draft night, he slipped while eight players he had competed against in the ACC, including two of his UNC teammates, were drafted ahead of him. He had the unfortunate distinction of being one of those players who gets invited to the green room as an expected lottery pick, only to have to wait around for more than an hour before finally falling down to 25 where the Blazers drafted him. The Blazers think he's a steal. They think he was in a tier so much higher than where they were picking at 25. And they were watching the few picks in front of him, hoping and hoping and hoping that Nazir Little would end up on their team. They got their wish. A lot of the sort of draft experts think Little was a steal for his value and upside at 25. That remains to be seen. But in the second segment, I don't want to talk necessarily about steals and draft value and all that. I want to talk about what's the best case scenario for Nazir Little on the Blazers and what's the worst case scenario for his rookie season in the NBA. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys all about Crossover Wednesdays. The NFL season is here, which means Crossover Wednesday is back. For the entire NFL regular season, you'll get a special episode every Wednesday as the Locked On podcast hosts from Opposing Sides meet up and preview the excitement of the games happening that week. So look for your favorite team wherever you get podcasts, and be sure not to miss NFL listeners' favorite segment. It's Crossover Wednesdays. All right, welcome back. We talked in the first segment all about Nazir Little's 2018-19 season in review. I'll talk more about his skill set and his fit with the Blazers in the third segment. But here in the second segment, I want to talk about best case and worst case scenarios. Now, I'm doing this for every single player in the Blazers roster, so I want to explain a little bit about what I mean best case and worst case scenario. The worst case scenario for every player and every athlete is some sort of debilitating injury that shortens their career and shortens their season. 
I am not going to address that or dis- or consider that as a worst case. Uh, the best case scenario is that they you know win MVP and Finals MVP too. I want to put these best case scenarios in context of the player we're talking about. So it's it's about stuff that happens on the court and stuff that could realistically happen to this player. With that said, the best case scenario for Nazir Little is that the NBA game fits his skill set better and with more space he has more room to attack and do what he does best. The best case for Nazir Little is that he's not only dressed in every game this season, but that he challenges Rodney Hood and Kent Bazemore for playing time on the wing and is talented enough to create a roster crunch for Terry Stotts. The best case scenario is that Terry Stotts, when he puts together his lineup every night, has to try to figure out where can I fit Nazir Little in because he deserves to play, not because we want to play him. The best case for Nazir Little is also that with a clearly defined spot as a role player and not a maybe star, that he can settle into his strengths, develop as a spot-up shooter, while continuing to use his quickness and explosiveness to be a mismatch offensively. The best-case scenario is that he isn't just a guy with an NBA frame as a teenager, but an NBA player very early in the season. The worst-case scenario for Nazir Little is that he's just flat-out not ready. Not that he's a bust or that he'd be a bust. And to be clear, these worst case scenarios are only about the 2019-2020 season anyway. But the worst case scenario is that Nazir Little spends 80 games watching from the end of the bench. He has to go suit shopping because most of his competitive basketball games come two hours prior to tip-off when end of the bench players get a sweat in with assistant coaches. The worst case scenario is that even his stints in the G League don't end up showing promise, and that the concerns that other teams had on draft night ring truer in April than they did last July. The worst case for Nazir Little, to be clear, isn't that bad of a case. There's probably not a lot of guys anywhere that are ready to contribute to a playoff team in the NBA at age 19. The worst case for a guy like Nazir Little is more is closer to realistic than it is for other guys. I think the best case scenario is harder for him to touch because of what the Blazers did on the roster ahead of him. They've got veterans with Rodney Hood and Kent Bazemore and uh, Mario Azonia and, and obviously CJ McCollum, if they're going to play three-guard lineups on the wing, ahead of him. But in addition to that, they already have a young guy who they've carved out minutes for in Anthony Simons. It seems unlikely that the Blazers head into this season with big plans to play a 20-year-old and a 19-year-old a ton of minutes. And if they do choose to play another young wing, it seems like it would be Gary Trent Jr., a better natural shooter and someone who's been in the system, who kind of knows the NBA game and and the rhythm of the NBA game and the rhythm of what the Blazers want to do much better than what Nazir Little does. So the worst case for Nazir Little, the sitting and watching, not being ready, not being an NBA player in year one, is actually a pretty familiar trope for a lot of the Blazers players of the past. Alan Crabb didn't do anything in year one and ended up being at least a useful role player. Ditto for Pat Connaughton, Will Barton, and in some ways Zach Collins, who played sparingly as a rookie and then was kind of thrown into the fire at the end of his rookie season. 
So while when we do this year in review with other guys, the worst case scenario is like they're a bad fit or the thing they struggle at gets magnified. I think Nazir Little could all the worst case scenario things could play out. He is his skill set doesn't fit the team right now. He's he's a bad fit with just alongside the rest of the roster. Uh, his inability to shoot and his sort of defensive IQ questions uh, make him unplayable. I don't think that's that big of a deal because he's 19. Like I said, the Blazers made this draft pick for the future. They didn't make this draft pick for now. If he does pop and he is good, it is a game-changing acquisition. It is a franchise-altering thing if he's ready to contribute in year one. If he gets anywhere close to his best case scenario, it's going to really shake up this Blazer team. If he just ends up towards this worst case scenario, it's probably fine. In the third segment, I want to talk about realistic role and expectations for Little. I've kind of touched on this a little bit here, but I want to talk more about his skill set, what I saw at Carolina, and Specifically, is just I've, I've seen him play a ton. I don't usually see Blazers rookies play a ton. I had seen Zach Collins play part of one game by the time he came to came to the Blazers. I had never seen Anthony Simons outside of YouTube highlights when he came to the Blazers. I'd seen Gary Trent play three times. I've seen Azir Little play a lot. So my realistic expectations are based on a pretty sizable sample size. So that's what I want to do in segment three. Stick with me. But before we get there, I want to do a rare mid-episode plea. If you like Lockdown Blazers, if you were listening to this in September, I appreciate you. So I'm going to ask that you do me a favor. Wherever you get podcasts, and if that podcast application allows you for to give this podcast a rating, go ahead and do that. Give Lockdown Blazers five stars. You can actually give it whatever you want, but I'm asking you to give me five stars. It helps uh, this podcast get seen. It helps us climb the charts. helps other people find it when they're looking for Blazer content. I don't usually do these pleas in the middle of the episode. I'm changing things up because it's summertime, y'all. All right. Let's just go ahead and hit that third segment. Still locked on Blazer. Still Mike Richmond. We are still talking all about Nazir Little. First segment, we went his year in review. Everything that he did at Carolina, how he ended up the number 25 pick in the NBA draft. I just gave you his best and worst case scenarios with the Blazers. But now, in this third third and final segment, we do things in three parts here. I want to discuss a realistic role for Nazir Little. And quite frankly, I think a realistic role, I think the most realistic role for Nazir Little is that he doesn't play. I think that we've seen, for the most part, the Blazers are not afraid to say, this guy's really good, but he's not ready yet. I didn't mention the second segment, but this is the C.J. McCollum route. The front office was incredibly high on C.J. McCollum. Uh, Neil Olshay knew he wanted, at least according to the story, knew he wanted to draft C.J. in, uh, in January of his senior year at Lehigh well before his dominant NCAA tournament performance against Duke. And so when it kind of fell to him, Olshay didn't worry about whether McCollum duplicated some of the skills of previous of, of Rookie of the Year Damian Lillard. He said, this is the dude I want, he can play. 
And then when CJ got here, he was on a roster that had players ahead of him. And it took him a while to get his chance. The Blazers aren't afraid to let guys wait their chance, even if they love them. This is the Anthony Simons route of last year. The Blazers, you know, if you hear what Olshay says about him, he's the most talented player he's ever drafted and all those things. And yet, there wasn't a plan to play him in year one. And now in year two, they've kind of cleared the decks to give Simons 20-plus minutes a night. I think a realistic role for Nazir Little is a lot of sitting and watching. And it's probably three weeks in the G League sometime in after January. That's kind of when the Blazers generally send guys down to the minor leagues. They don't they don't have a G League team. They're the team least likely to uh, get a G League team. They're one of two teams left along with them and the Nuggets. But they'll send him somewhere in the G League to get him six games over ten days or whatever it is. Four games over ten days. Get him a little bit of seasoning. Make sure he plays. But but they want him in-house. They want him working with their coaches. They want him watching film. They want him talking to NBA players about what it's like to be in the NBA. And why I think it's a realistic role that Nazir Little just doesn't play, that he's the uh, very likely, in my mind, the guy who wears a suit most nights, is because the things he struggles at now are the type of things that you de- can develop as your skill develops over a a longer period of time than, say, three months post-NBA draft. In college, he didn't have a lot of wiggle. He didn't get loose. Um, You know, if you gave him the ball, he couldn't get loose with a couple dribble moves. But on a straight-line drive, he was really good. In the half-court Carolina offense, he struggled a little bit. And early on in his college career, he had no idea where his points were supposed to come from. But as he slowly got more comfortable and at and those times he could get out in transition, he could show what he does best. He's a really good athlete and a guy that can overwhelm even the best athletes in college basketball. But why I th- what I think that means for him as a rookie in the NBA is that he's going to need time to watch film, scrimmage a ton, just talk to NBA players to figure out where he fits. Now, I expect he'll get some sort of random cameos early in the season, the way Terry Stotts kind of just rolls a guy out and says, hey, tonight is your night. You're going to play six minutes. So maybe we see Nas for two games back-to-back in early December, and then he disappears and goes back on the shelf. But in addition to sort of his lack of ball handling stuff in college, he also just wasn't a great shooter. Shooting is a thing you can improve at, particularly standstill shooting, the way it works in the league. If you know, and the Blazers have have a a pretty good track record of this, see Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu, guys who were bad three-point shooters in other spots, became right around league average three-point shooters for the the bulk of their uh, careers with the Blazers. Portland will identify for Nas where your shots are going to come from, what you need to practice, what you need to work on, and 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 they will get him in there working. So if your expectations is that he's the steal of the draft, I say hold on to that because he might end up being one of the better players from his draft class, but it might not come to fruition for two or three seasons at least. He really struggled in Summer League. I didn't touch on his Summer League stats because I think in the first section, because I think rehashing specific Summer League numbers are meaningless. But if you just watched him, you knew that there were 
that his limitations as an offensive player showed up even in that sort of unorganized world of summer league. So I think a realistic role is that he doesn't play. I think there's specific things he could get better at to play. I just don't think he can do that in a short enough period of time to get normal playing time and even just a defined role on a team that wants to win an NBA title. I will say this before I get out of here. Even with limited minutes and probably a frustrating role as a backup in college for a guy who was a really high-level recruit and probably thought he was going to get a starring big-time role, or at least assumed that he would earn that at some point in his college career, Nazir Little never stopped playing hard at Carolina. He always played really hard. He struggled a little bit with defensive concepts. He struggled a little bit with where he could find his offense. He struggled a little bit just because he can't shoot and he's not a great ball handler. But he always played really hard, and I think there's some value. I think that's a skill, I should say. I think some guys have to say, I'm going to play hard now and think about playing hard. He didn't. He doesn't really have that. He has a real motor. I think he can develop into, into a valuable wing player. I don't think he's even anywhere close to being that as a rookie. We'll see what happens. We're through four of these. We got 10 more players on the Blazers roster, plus Jalen Horde, two-way player. The Blazers training camp opens at the end of September. We're getting close to real NBA games, y'all. So check out, if you haven't already, the other Countdown to Training Camp Season Outlook podcasts. I will have more of them coming for you next week. I'm not going to tell you who. Just check your podcast provider See who's on the docket. Also, tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. If you like this podcast, chances are they will too. Tell them they can find it wherever they get podcasts. That's on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. I appreciate you guys listening. I'll talk to you soon.